Hello and welcome to the Stuff I Heard podcast. This is your host, Joshua Peak. And today happens to be Wednesday, May the 15th of 2019. This is the first new podcast of the new year. I guess it's in a way you could call this um, episode one of season two. I don't know. Is there, I'm sure there's a way to do that so that it like logs correctly. Um, I'll have to look into that. I would like to say thank you to everybody who has uh, tuned in over the last year and uh, continues to tune in, and I appreciate everybody um, giving me feedback and being a part of this and to my guests that have been on. Uh, I know last week I said a good bit of this, but I, I kind of wanted to reiterate it today. Um, you know, a big shout-out to my wife for being on the podcast last week. If you missed that episode, go back and listen to it. It's a good hour conversation. Um, she didn't want to be on it to begin with, but I sort of convinced her over time that, you know, listen, I think you'd be good at this. And you've got a lot of stuff that is, I think, interesting and also that people would enjoy. So hopefully everybody else felt the same way. And uh, I got a lot of good feedback from people saying they really enjoyed it. So maybe I can convince her to do more in the future. <clears throat> so anyway, I would like to talk a little bit about Stuff I Heard, because this is the Stuff I Heard podcast. Um this past week, I've had the opportunity, well, not week, this past couple of days, I should say, because I just recorded an episode on Saturday. Um, the last couple of days, I've been able to uh, listen to some podcasts of some people that sort of sparked imagination in me, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. Let me look it up so I don't get the names wrong. Okay, so <clears throat> on Joe Rogan's podcast, we'll just we'll just dive right into this. Joe Rogan's podcast this past Monday, uh, he had a guest on. It's episode twelve ninety five. Um, his guest is uh, Tulsi Gabbard. She happens to be a 2020 presidential candidate for the Democratic Party and is currently serving as the U.S. representative for Hawaii's 2nd Congressional District since 2013. She's also in the National Guard, has been serving for the last 16 years. She's seen combat, and she is an interesting person to run for president. Here's here's a couple things, okay? I like listening to her speak. She's very she's not very political when she talks. She's going to tell you exactly how she feels and she's pretty upfront, which let's face it, that's what a lot of voters liked when they voted for Trump. They liked the fact that he was no nonsense and he's just going to tell you what he thinks. Now, <clears throat> I think that a lot of people would agree several years later, we all wish he would get off of Twitter and quit acting like a teenage girl. Um, and I don't know that what he's doing is intentional or accidental or if it's just the fact that that's who he is and it's continued on this path. In a way, you know, in a way I think that listening to a lot of people's podcasts discuss President Trump, um, I get the impression that most people were just unwilling to vote for Hillary or in such a stance against Hillary that they voted for Trump just because it wasn't Hillary. She apparently polarized the people so much 
that they were like, absolutely not her. She's a criminal. She needs to be in jail for the things that she's done. And the American people voted with their with their intentions and said, you know, not her. Not her. Now, I have said in the past that I voted for Trump and my stance was more of not her than it was for him. I mean, I literally was like, Mm-mm, not her. I'm all for a female president. I really am. I've, I've said in the past I would vote for Nikki Haley if she ran. I'm impressed with who she is. I'm impressed with the fact that, you know, her husband is in the military, has served combat time. She has, you know, been the governor of South Carolina during some very troubling, stressful times and has done a bang-up job, in my opinion, of handling all sorts of stressful situations where other people tell her, you should do this and you should do that and you should say what I say and this special interest group wants this and this special interest group wants that. And, and she's all the way said, no, absolutely not, no. I'm going to do what's right for the people that I serve. This is a job where I serve the people. And anytime someone has contested her on it, she's went on social media and she's like, listen, this is a bill that I didn't vote for and this is why. Here's a $300,000 thing that's added onto this bill that's disguised as something for your safety or for ch- or for kids' safety. But here's this $300,000 fund that's supposed to fund some other good old boy's uh, hog farm up in Greenville, and I'm not, I'm not signing that. The American taxpayer does not need to pay for your little pet project. And I like that. I like the fact that it's a, it's a, a well-spoken, well-presented type of leadership. I want, I would like to think that we have a, like Tulsi Gabber talks about in her, in this podcast, she, she feels like she wants to be president or not necessarily that she wants to be president, but that she feels like she would make a good president simply because of the fact that she doesn't want it. She feels like she has a calling and she's like, I want to, I want to serve the people. I feel like I can serve the people. I feel like that this is the time where someone like me could be president and could do a lot of good. I have combat experience. I have experience with dealing with diplomatic issues. I have experience with, you know, when I got elected, I didn't have a chance to 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 really uh, understand the bipartisan voting because on day one I was told, you know, with all the Republicans hanging out over here and all the Democrats hanging over there, and we don't really side with each other. And she said, so I came in day one, and my mom happens to own a, a macadamia nut cookie company, and I asked her to make me up a bunch, and I brought in a bunch, and I handed them all out, and everyone came by to say, wow, I really appreciate the cookies, and, you know, can we talk? And she talks a lot about the the Hawaiian uh, phrase of aloha, the idea of, you know, family, of ohana, of bringing people in and of having communications and open lines of communications and continuing to listen to each other. And she she talks a lot on this podcast about how she's very much for having civil discourse with other people and discussing the topics and, and having a difference of opinion and being okay with that. And that's a big thing that's needed to be said. A lot of people are against... Trump because of the fact that he polarizes so many people with his outlandish statements and his almost braggadocious look at me, look at me attitude. And it's to the point that it's like, all right, we get it, dude. You're you're happy that you got the spot and you 
basically told everybody, you know, kiss my butt. I made it and you told me I couldn't make it. Now I'm here and you can't get rid of me. And we all have a little bit of that as an American spirit. You know, one of the things that when I think of America, I think of the fact that, you know, we were owned by British colonies. And in 1776, we said, we're done. And we signed a piece of paper saying, you know, go back to your land. This is our land. And that sort of attitude is carried over in our very young country. We have a very young country. I mean, we've only been a country for over, what, 200 years? Not even 300 years yet that we've been a country. We've not been a whole country. I mean, let's face it, we didn't bring in Hawaii and and Alaska, which if you ask anybody, we pretty much stole Hawaii. Um, Hawaii is basically its own country. We just happen to claim that we own it for military purposes. But in all intents and purposes, they're their own country. They don't, you know... They would be fine without us. They really would, except for the fact that they're close to other people who would try to take them over. So, but, you know, we've only been that since, what, 49, 1949, I think, is when the whole deal, I don't know. I'm talking out of my butt right now. People are, like, fact-checking me going, well, actually, you got it wrong because I looked it up, and this is, okay, whatever, good, good for you. Um, This is not the stuff I learned. This is the stuff I heard. So that's, that's this podcast. Um, <clears throat> but listen, we are divisive, especially with the fact that all this, you know, content is coming out about how the algorithms for Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all this other stuff, Snapchat, all that stuff is made so that you click on things more. And the more that you're engaged, the more they get to sell advertising space. And the engagement is drawn on by negative comments. So in a weird, aggravated way, your entire news feed, every time you open up Facebook, if you feel angry, it's because your entire news feed has been, has been nurtured by the things that you click on. And apparently when you're outraged, you click on things more than when things that you're happy with. So it's just full of stuff you're angry about. And it aggravates itself to grow so that you constantly click on things and you get more outrage and then you can be engaged. And then when you're engaged, they make more money. It wasn't their intention for that to happen. It's just a a weird side effect. And we are such fragile little creatures playing with uh, the entire world at our fingertips that we don't understand what it is we're doing. So we click blindly on it because we see something and we're like, you know, oh, I can't believe that's happening. Oh, I should let my friends know because if they don't know, then, then things could go terribly wrong and, and I got to get involved and, oh, I got I to gotta voice my opinion now and let everybody know. And I'm guilty of it. I'll be honest, I'm guilty of it. Just as much as everybody else. Whenever there's some type of, con- you know, I see a stupid comment about how, uh, you know, we got to get rid of all the guns. Okay, first off, you're an idiot. Um, And I say that not to trigger you, not to get you angry, or not to have you, you know, I'm not. I say you're an idiot for a reason. And the main reason is because I was in the Marine Corps. Okay? I am a history buff. Our country was founded because we eventually at some point took up arms against the people who were controlling us. And if history ever serves anybody correctly... Whenever someone wants to take away your guns, the next move is for them to come in and take military force on you. 
the only thing stopping them from doing that on a regular basis is the threat that they may be shot. That's it. And in today's world, they don't really have to worry about that that much. They can just take what they want by raising your taxes. You don't know. You have no control of that. Our system and the way that this country is working is slowly gaining momentum. I say slowly. It's advancing less quickly than our cell phones are. But it's advancing. There's a new conversation, and this is one that a lot of the socialists and the Democrats and some world leaders have had this discussion over universal basic income and the idea of raising minimum wage to $15 an hour. We need to pay them a livable wage. I got news for you. You raise the, the minimum wage to $15 an hour and you lose the people you're trying to help the most. You will put them in more poverty than they've ever experienced in their life. Raising the minimum wage undermines the entire economy. Because what it means is small businesses go under. You only have room for big businesses. They could give a rat's ass about you. They're going to figure out how to automate everything so that they can pay people less money so they can keep their profits. More people are going to be out of work. No one's going to have any money. And then you're going to be sitting around going, wait, I can't sell anything anymore because no one has any money to buy anything. You're going to have 1% of the population being able to afford anything. But also, because of all of that, the circle is going to be broken to the point that the goods are going to stop being made because no one can afford to actually work to make them or build them. And if it's not automated, then you're in trouble. The only way to help people make it, in my opinion, this is my opinion now, I am not an educated person. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of economists on Joe's podcast, coincidentally. <clears throat> the only way to, to leave it alone and help it grow adequately and help people adequately is we need to have a social awareness from companies about their employees. We need to stop putting the bottom dollar first, which is against capitalism, kind of what our whole system is based on. But we need to get away from the greed of money and start realizing that our biggest resource is not money, but our biggest resource is our people. Successful companies realize that. I read that in a book a long time ago called Good to Great. It talks about businesses who can be a good company, but they want to be a great company. And the biggest advantage to the great company the great companies have over the good companies is the fact that they put their people first. And they realize their people are their most important asset. What you get when you have a diverse group of people and a loyal group of people is you have people willing to do for you and 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 talk about you and be influencers and to mention, oh by the way, you gotta check out my company, because my company's great. When you start getting rid of those people, because you can't afford to pay them anymore, because you've decided to raise the minimum wage to $15 today, and then in another 10 years you raise it to $50 an hour, <clears throat> it only escalates. And it gets to a point where no one can afford anything. 
Have you noticed the dollar menu has disappeared from McDonald's? Why do you think the dollar menu has disappeared? I went in there recently, and they they had one employee cooking in the back. They had one employee at the drive through window, and they had the little kiosk things up front where you punch in your order, and then someone running around just runs off and drops your food off, and there's like a way that you told them what you wanted, and they yell out your name, throw it on the counter, and walk away. When I go to Walmart to get groceries, because that's my local grocery store, when I go there to get groceries now, they have usually one or two registers open, and that's it. And then they have a whole bunch of those robot things set up, the uh, the little self-serve kiosk doohickeys. And if I have something on there like produce where i got to find the number for it, and I don't know the number, I, I don't go to it. And I get produce almost every time I go. If I have beer in my in my buggy, and I don't want to have to wait for someone to come over from some office to look at my ID to tell me whether or not they think I can get beer. I'm 45 years old now. I'd rather just have a person. Why can't I just why can't I just interact with a person? But they've gotten rid of all their people up front. And the two people they have running the register are usually, you know, five people deep on a Saturday morning at like 8 o'clock in the morning when most people are sleeping in. 7 o'clock in the morning. I go early because I'm like, I know later it's not going to be any better. I've been later. It's worse. But that's at minimum wage where it is now. What do you think is going to happen if you decide we need to raise minimum wage to $15? The reason it's called a minimum wage is because you're supposed to strive to do better and to earn more. Those jobs are for entry-level people. Those jobs are for kids. You're not supposed to go to McDonald's and decide, I'm going to work here forever. That's not what that job is. If you want to work there forever, you can work your way up and work into management. That's totally possible. You can go to work for their corporate. Just keep getting promoted. Do a good job. But if you're working the, the fry section, you're not supposed to be living on a wage working at the fry section. You're supposed to be like, well, this is a, this is an okay job when I was in high school. Now I need to find a real job. Or I need to work in towards management. Something. When I was a young man, I had a job working at Winn-Dixie, local grocery store. I was bagging groceries. It was my first legal job. I say legal job because I worked for my, for my grandfather on construction for a while when I was younger during the summers, and that wasn't technically legal, but, you know, he would pay me a little bit of money, and I'd work. I learned work ethic from him. I learned what it was like to show up and work all day long and what it was like to achieve a goal with a group of people. We built things. It was incredible. But working at Winn-Dixie was my first real legal job where I paid taxes and got my little paycheck and I had to go to the bank and cash it. And I remember getting my first paycheck and thinking, wow, I don't didn't get much money for all this crap. But back then, that little bit of money put gas in my vehicle and had me some food to buy and also allowed me to help pay for my car. That little bit of money. And I think minimum wage back then was like, $2.80 $2.80-something per hour. It was, it was very little, very little. Now, at no point during that time did I think, oh, this is going to sustain me. 
I'm going to be good on this. I, I can just stay, stay doing this until I retire. Yeah, baby. Nope. Nope. I was like, this is the job I'm going to do while I'm in high school until I find something better or until, you know, maybe I move up or maybe I find a better job, whatever it is. Maybe I finish high school and I go to college and I get to be something bigger. I think that if anybody back then sat back and looked at their paycheck and it was, you know, less than a hundred bucks would have thought, oh yeah, this is going to sustain me for a long time. I'm good. But that was minimum wage then. And it, it got raised. It got raised to $3 and 80 something cents after that. And I was like, Ooh, I got a pay raise. Wow. This is awesome. But then the price of everything went up. Because they had to pay everybody throughout the country the same thing. So the taxes on gas went up. The taxes on everything went up. You know, the economy is a weird thing. Is We all think that it's going to, everything's set up to benefit us, and it's not. Everything's set up to benefit corporations and the government. If you think about the fact that when Obama was president, they printed, during his eight years, they printed $2 trillion worth of money. Just paper, just just printed it. Like, here, here's some more money that's going to feed into the economy, and we're going to make the economy better by printing more money. No, he doesn't. <clears throat> let's say for round numbers that you have $100 in existence, okay? Let's just, let's, let's just ballpark it on a small scale. Let's say you have $100 in total existence in the world, okay? And you decide, hey, I'm going to print 10 extra dollars. Now you got $110 out there, Okay. At one point, your dollar may have bought a certain amount. But now since the economy has gone up and, and, and you're getting $110 fed into the economy, you go, well, wait a second. I can buy, actually end up buying less for that same dollar. Huh. It's not worth as much because there's more of it floating around. But let's say in a little while later, you print another $10. Well, now you can buy even less for your dollar because there's more of it floating around. It devalues that dollar. Here's the weird side effect, though. Later on, when you look at the economy, no one talks about the fact that they fed money into the system. They just look at the numbers on the scale and they go, look, our profits are up. The numbers keep going up. The little, the little chart that we use, all the little things go up on the scale because people are spending more now. Yeah, they have to. And they can't buy as much. That scale is wrong. The scale is misleading. The economy doing better? Really? I think that our economy is doing pretty good right now here in America. But I would be honest if I said that I'm probably in the better percentage of people in America. I've got a good paying job. I'm lucky. I ended up in the one piece of dirt in the country that happened to be doing well during the recession and did really well after the recession. I happened to be in the one part of the country with the job that was needed the most, a CDL truck driver. Right now, there is a need for 248,000 truck drivers. If you have a kid right now and you're like, geez, I'm wondering what I'm going to tell my kid to do whenever they need to make money, tell them to go to CDL school right out of high school. Get a CDL license. 
I don't know if they've lowered the minimum wage or the minimum age to 18 yet, but I've heard that's a discussion. But even that is not recession proof. 284,000 truck drivers are needed right now, but they're also building self-driving vehicles. There's going to come a time. This is my prediction, okay? Here we are, 2019. I'm going to make a prediction. Right now, there is a need for truck drivers, and they're building self-driving cars and trucks. There's going to come a time where half of those drivers are going to be laid off of work. Half of them. This is my prediction. I, I hope I'm wrong. You know, I'm sure that 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 Kirk Vonnegut, when he was writing Player Piano, was thinking, this is the way the world's going to go. I really hope I'm wrong, but this is how it's going to go. George Orwell, when he wrote 1984, he probably thought the same thing. This is where I see the world going, and I really hope I'm wrong. We're going to have a large portion of our workforce that's going to be completely without a job due to our own innovation. I'm not telling you that so that you get all depressed. I'm not telling you that because I want you to worry. I'm telling you that because I want us to think about the fact that we need to start putting people first in a lot of scenarios, and we don't lose value of people. We need a lot of young people right now to be spurred on by imagination. We need them to be encouraged with the ideas of how do we better serve the people? How do we best serve each other? Because moving forward, you got to have a plan. What's the old saying? Uh, if you uh, fail to have a plan, then you plan to fail. There's a reality to that. What is the next step? What are we going to do? How are we going to help each other? That's where that conversation of universal basic income comes in. People have a right to have a home and food. They're not wrong. You know, the problem with Marxism and socialism is the fact that capitalism and greed are way more powerful. But we're entering into a time with our economy and with companies like Amazon who, let's face it, I'm just as much a, a sucker to Amazon as everybody else. I'm shopping on there all the time. They pay zero taxes for the last three years, and last year they got a $125 million incentive from the government. Jeff Bezos is worth $150 billion. He just divorced his wife and gave her $75 billion. They're getting ready to automate all of their functions. There's discussion about Amazon using drones to make deliveries. There's also a discussion about Amazon using self-driving vehicles to make deliveries. What is the future? Is Tulsi Gabbard part of that process? Is this conversation part of this? I'm telling you right now, this conversation, I want everybody to listen to it. I don't care if you're a Joe Rogan fan or you're not. When it starts to play... Fast forward through him reading the ads in the beginning. There's like five minutes or five, five, five or six minutes worth, okay? Fast forward it. Listen to the conversation. Whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or whatever, you know, 
independent, Green Party, Libertarian, whatever it is, listen to what she is saying. Listen to what he is saying. Listen to the conversation. This is the conversation that needs to be happening amongst us as the people voting. You're supposed to be voting for people who best serve your interest. If you're not, vote for someone else. If they're not doing their job, of the people, by the people, for the people. That's the beauty of our of our whole our whole system, our whole country. Wouldn't you rather have somebody in power who knows what's going on and is willing to listen? Maybe that's the side effect of Trump. The fact that he's unwilling to listen to anybody. And here you got a candidate, Tulsi Gabbard, who's willing to listen. I'm going to link it. I'm going to link this podcast, the Joe Rogan's pod, Tulsi Gabbard podcast. I'm going to link it on the Facebook page, on Twitter, on Instagram, everything. I want people to listen to it. It's important. Even if she's not your candidate, listen to what she's saying. It's important. Reset my camera here. Um, I know this sounds depressing, and I know that that I'm <clears throat> normally in like an upbeat mood. And, oh my god, everything's great, everything's awesome, and yeah, yeah, it, it's it is awesome, it is great. I mean, I'm 45. I had a conversation with my dad about you know Granny Peak turning 91 and. And almost ninety two, and and he said, I'm, I'm realized that at a certain point, you're you're supposed to leave this world for a reason, because you're not equipped to handle what's coming next. But hopefully, your kids are. If someone were to ask me if my kids were ready for what's coming next, <clears throat> I would say not a single one of them. Nope. I don't think any of us are ready for what's coming next. But. We can start having these conversations. What would you do if you were president? What would you do if you were representative? What would you do if you had any kind of influence over anybody in your life and you were able to tell them, hey, listen, I kind of have a feeling about how things are going and I want to have a discussion. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about where the economy is going all that stuff that seems boring normally, you know, what do we like talking about? Sports. Sports is a distraction. It is. I like sports. It's a distraction. Huge distraction. It's fun. It's not going to change our life. If anything, it's sort of, it's sort of like a, uh, it's sort of like a, what do you call it? A distraction. <laughs> I grew up watching Popeye when I was a kid. The little cartoon, the Popeye the Sailor Man. And he would fight Bluto. And every once in a while, he'd go, you see this? You see this over here? This is going over here? And he'd hit him with his other hand. You're supposed to look at one thing while something else is happening. That's the distraction. That's To me, that's kind of what sports is. That's kind of what anything socially is. Movies. I mean, I'm a huge Marvel fan. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I'm a huge Disney fan. When that stuff's going on, I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Awesome. Yay. I'm a huge Joe Rogan fan. But there's a lot of things happening around all of the things that entertain us that we're not paying attention to. 
It's just a fact. So maybe the side effect of, of Trump being president is the fact that we start having conversations about our real life and about our real future and we start putting down devices a little bit more and we start having conversations with people that are next to us. And maybe you can encourage that with people around you. Maybe you can take that hint of advice. Spit it out, Josh. That hint of advice. Maybe you can start going, hey, wait a second. I've been sitting here next to this person this entire time and I'm playing with my stupid phone. Why don't I have a conversation? Hey, what do you think about universal basic income? What do you think about self-driving vehicles? What do you think about the idea that one day we're going to have trucks on the road that drive themselves. How safe is that going to be? What do you think is going to happen whenever we can't afford to buy food? What do you think is going to happen when politicians just stop even faking it and they just tell you, listen, Amazon wants me to vote for this because it helps them. We're letting corporations decide how our country's being run so that better their situation and we're all distracted by the Kardashians and, and Bruce Jenner becoming a, ma- a, a woman or whatever, whatever she, he is. Um, it's all a distraction. And the news is part of it. The media is part of it. They just want you to click on it and you're willing to do it. We can make choices and we can change all of it, but it's not easy. I'm just as addicted to hitting that little Facebook icon on my phone multiple times a day. Ooh, what's going on now? What's going on now? What's going on now? I'm 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 addicted to it. I'll be honest. If I post something on Instagram, I go back and see who's liked it. Who's commented? Has anybody commented? I do a lot of promotion for this podcast. Has anybody forwarded it? Is anybody on there? Is anybody in, engaged? Stuff for YouTube, same thing. We talk about how information is so vital and we talk about how the Russians are listening and the Chinese are listening and and then there's the conversation of, well, who gives a shit? Well, apparently it's a big deal. Apparently listening to us is a big deal. And we're putting information out there all the time. I've just put out 104 episodes in a year of my podcast of me talking nonstop. Does any of that help anybody? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe all of this is information so that they can better replicate us in the matrix. They have a better sense of who we are and our weird quirks and the way we talk to each other, the way we treat each other, and the way we help each other and hurt each other. Everything. All of it included. I mean, if you believe in that kind of thing. Maybe this is the path that God put us on because we are supposed to experience everything in life. Maybe we're supposed to experience it from every side. I don't know. I don't know. So, anyway, let's talk about stuff I've seen. Because... I got to watch a series on Netflix this past week. Um, It was originally on Fox. It's called Lucifer. And right off the bat, you think, whoa, the devil? You're going to watch a show about the devil? Really? Yeah. 
Yeah, I am. I like the show. I think it's written very smart. The show started off on Fox, and they did three seasons. Um, and it's basically the devil rules hell, and he decides he's had enough, and he wants a break. So he comes to Los Angeles. And the story takes off where he meets a detective because of a friend of his is murdered, and he wants to find the killer to punish them. That's the, the whole devil spiel, right? You want to find them and punish the ones who need to be punished. But the way they've written the story, he's very likable and he's very upfront and honest about who he is and nobody believes him. He tells everybody, I'm Lucifer Morningstar. And they're like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> funny name. He's like, no, really, I'm the devil. And they're like, okay, yeah, uh-huh, sure. I mean, let's face it. If you ran into somebody right now and they told you you were, Je- they told them that uh, you were, they were Jesus, would you go, oh, well, automatically, yes. Or would you go, yeah, okay. Get a good one there, JC. It's funny. Would you believe him? And he sort of, you know, forms a friendship with this detective and they start solving cases together. And every episode is a new case, which is brilliant. I've said this before. If you want to have a hit TV show or a hit any kind of show, you have guests on because every time you have new people on, they get to tell their friends and family, oh, I'm on this great show and it's awesome and you should t- you should tune in and check it out. It's really great. And then your audience grows as you, as you continue the story. It's the formula. If you want any kind of show to succeed like that, that's how you do it. You have something involved where new people are on all the time, whether it's a medical show or a cop show or anything like that. Rescue Me was cool in the fact that, that it was uh, Dennis Leary with, uh, with you know, firemen after 9-11. You're in New York. You've got a lot of people that you can have from New York be on the show. You interact with a lot of people because there's always a fire. Well, what happens in fire? You save people. Or you don't. But people are involved, and people become the cast, and people come in and out of the lives of these other people. And the, it... If the writing is there for the story to go and, and the relationships are there, people are engaged and they can't stop watching and they enjoy it. So Lucifer was on Fox for three seasons. Uh, I think the first season had like 13 episodes. The second one had 18 and the third had 26, 26 episodes in a year. Those are hour long shows. And I had quit watching it at some point because we had lost our ability to watch it. We got rid of DirecTV because they raised their prices way too high and now through Netflix, Netflix has picked them up. Apparently, millions of people got on Twitter with the hashtag Save Lucifer. And they talked about how much they loved the show. People from around the globe got on social media and wanted to save the show. And Netflix saw that and thought, hey, wait a second. Here's a here's the recipe for a good show. Let's reach out and see if we can make this happen. So they did. They put out 10 episodes this past year for for season four. And I got to tell you, it was fantastic. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I watched all 10 episodes. I finished the last two this morning. It was great. It was enjoyable. I like the, the story of a supernatural thing, person, being a part of like regular, ordinary people day. And the fact that they can get caught up in their lives and forget the fact that, oh yeah, by the way, I'm celestial. <laughs> and you get to see their wants and desires and whatnot done up in a fictional way that's that's entertaining. It's an entertaining show. It's a distraction. We were just talking about distractions. 
but it's a fun distraction. So, anyway, if you're interested in anything like that, I, I can tell you it's it's pretty darn decent. You should check it out. So, I'm going to wrap this up. We've been about 40 minutes now, and uh, I've got to get ready because I'm having lunch with my mother. Yay. I look forward to lunch with my mom. It's going to be great. Anyway, hope everybody's doing well. Um, I want everybody to go check out Tulsi Gabbard's podcast. And if you see her on any kind of social media, look her up, find out some information, talk about her. She is only she is getting no funding from anybody other than people. People are donating money. Individuals, not corporations. She's not taking money from any corporations. She's she is what she's calling it is uh by the people funded. So if you want a president that's going to be out of the the corporation's pocket and is not an already self-made billionaire like Donald Trump and someone who's going to listen and someone who's going to embrace the idea of Ohana and of Aloha to realize that we're all in this together and is having the conversations with people that people respect, give her a shot. Listen to her. You'll maybe be impressed. And that's it. I'm going to wrap this up. Y'all take care. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. If you haven't hit the little rate button yet, go on the little thing at the bottom there and give me a, give me some stars. Remember, there is no wrong answers, but five stars are the best. And uh, I don't see that kind of crap. It just it goes through some analog system somewhere and may recommend this to somebody else who needs to hear it. So... Again, if you want to be part of this, reach out to me. If you know me, you know how to get in touch with me. If you don't know me, go online. Stuff I Heard podcast. I've got it on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. Because, yes, I'm a sucker to the distraction. But also, I want to grow community. Because I think that this is the important part in our conversations. All right, that's it. Cue the cow, baby. (laughs) 